You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. In a bid to win back customers, Tim Hortons is planning to introduce all-day breakfast, a kid's menu, new kiosks, loyalty programs, and delivery, as well as new packaging. Basically everything except decent coffee. Listeners, welcome back to VSP with Steve Patterson. I'm Enrique Iglesias. This week, our featured guest is comedian and head of CASC, that's the Canadian Association of Stand-Up Comedians, Sandra Badalini. We talk about why stand-up comedy should be considered a performing art just like other performing arts in Canada, which, frankly, if you don't understand, you probably don't listen to this podcast. Plus, we'll take a last-minute look at the slogans for the three political parties in the Ontario election that were still technically in the race at the time we wrote them. I'll share a letter I wrote to Prime Minister Trudeau that he'll probably never listen to himself. And we'll hear from our apology expert Jeremy Woodcock again, this time about the Sam B. incident. But first, here's a few stories from around the world that we think should be made fun of. Russian journalist Arkady Babchenko, no relation to Arkady Fire, who appeared to have been killed by the Russian government, faked his death and then showed up the next day at a press conference in the Ukraine. When asked what's next for him, he said, Oh, that's easy. Now I will be killed by Russian government. A Tom Thompson painting has been sold for nearly half a million dollars at auction after sitting in an Edmonton basement for years. The painting is described as of a lake and a tree and Jesus. It's exactly like every other Tom Thompson painting, all right? Which ironically is the perfect spruce up for any Edmonton basement. Japan says that it killed 333 whales last year for research. Apparently the research is in and they're delicious. London, England is introducing a tap payment system for buskers because they say people aren't carrying cash these days. Well, as a person, I can tell you, we totally still have cash. We're just lying. A Florida man who was caught masturbating in public last week told police he was Captain Kirk from Star Trek. The police responded by informing the man, you know you're not actually Captain Kirk, right, Mr. Shadner? And finally, Full Frontal's Sam B. has apologized for describing Ivanka Trump as a feckless cunt. Sorry, feckless C-word. Damn it! We just lost a sponsor. Just kidding, we don't have any yet. Anyway, this is a sad day for the feckless cunt community, but fortunately for us, we have our apology expert Jeremy Woodcock, nothing funny about that name, to comment on this. Jeremy? Hi, Steve. Sorry. Now, as you know, after Samantha Bee's recent controversial public comments, Donald Trump is asked why she still has a job, which is kind of like the pot asking why the kettle still has a job. Now, I'm sorry, but I do not see... Um, hello. Hi. Oh, sorry. Hi. It's, uh, sorry, everyone. It's VSP writer Jennifer McAuliffe. Hi, Jeremy. Sorry, not sorry, but I don't feel like you should be commenting on this. Oh, sorry about that, but I I am actually the apology expert. I graduated in apology studies from Stanford and Oxford and Radcliffe and Rutgers and Yale. Really? No, but all those colleges in a row spell S-O-R-R-Y. Sorry, it's just a joke. Sorry. 
Look, you're free to have your fancy college title. I'm the sorry, not sorry expert. Sorry, not sorry. And that's who should be commenting on this issue because Samantha B should not be sorry. I'm sorry? No. No, I mean, I just didn't quite catch that. Well, listen up. Sorry, not sorry, but I don't think we should be entertaining apology apologists. Sam B said what she said and a lot of people needed to hear it. Well, I think we're all agreed on that across this great country. From St. John's to... Sorry, I'm just trying to think of a place on the West Coast, Jen. B.C.? Starts with an S. Sorry. Apology accepted. No, I wasn't. That's actually a lot of growth. I never thought. No, I didn't. That. Do you want to introduce the next segment, please? Uh, okay, sorry. Err, fine. And now Steve Patterson reads a letter he wrote but didn't know where to send. Sorry, everyone. Not sorry. Especially Jen. Stop it. It's quite sorry. Dear Prime Minister Trudeau, what a week, eh? First, you got your finance minister slash head minion Bill Morneau to announce your government is bullying through the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain Pipeline project by purchasing it for just four and a half billion dollars. Then, a day later, the president of the country in our basement played his bully card by putting tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum. So I guess my question is, which one of you is the better bully? Morneau even had the audacity to describe this as a fair price for Canadian taxpayers, which is weird because this Canadian taxpayer wasn't consulted. If I was, I would have put the fair price for this at somewhere a lot closer to zero dollars. Then he went on to describe this deal as being in the national interest, but to me that's like calling Canadian steel and aluminum a national security threat to the United States. And what kind of moron would say that, right? More importantly, remember what you said while you were campaigning? Probably not, because you said a lot of things. So I'll remind you. During a campaign stop in BC in October 2015, you said, anyone who has been to the Great Bear Rainforest knows that that's not a place for a crude oil pipeline. So why is it okay to build a pipeline through BC now when it wasn't back then? Is the Great Bear Rainforest more important than the path of the Trans Mountain Pipeline? Is one of those areas a shithole county? And based on your belief in future generations of Canadians changing the world, couldn't you have put this 4.5 billion bucks towards renewable resources and new jobs rather than fossil fuels and fossil jobs? I say this to put in perspective how a lot of Canadians may feel about someone bullying through an action, which puts the interests of one area above another and one industry above all others for the economic gain of a small minority. Those are the actions of a North American elitist world leader whose last name starts with TRU. But that doesn't have to refer to you, JT. Good talk, nice socks, Steve Patterson. All right, now that we've talked national and international matters, let's talk about the province of Ontario. With our provincial election coming up tomorrow, it's time to vote, Ontarians. And if you haven't done the research on the campaign issues, well, you're just like at least one of the candidates. But we here at VSP would like everyone to make an informed decision. So maybe the best we can do now is to look at the slogans for each of the major parties and suggest better ones. Now, here are the actual slogans. Ontario Progressive Conservatives, for the people. Ontario NDP, change that matters. And Ontario Liberals, we didn't do one because our leader has already given up. Just kidding, that's not their actual slogan, but it might as well be since Kathleen Wynne literally conceded the election last weekend. Anyway, our guys have been brainstorming and I understand that you've come up with some very exciting slogans for each of the political parties. So let's start with the Liberals. Diana, what have you got? This is one I've been working on for a while. I think you'll like it. Liberals, a lack of change you can believe in. Not bad. You incorporate the change, but not really. Uh, Jen? Okay, what about liberals? Next time you're at the dentist, it's on us. 
Not bad. Most people have teeth. John, what do you have? Remember how we didn't do anything about the gas scandal? That, but for everything. Liberals. Oh, I, I like it. Very consistent. All right, let's, uh, let's go over to the NDP now. John, you got something for the NDP? NDP, because sometimes it's the lesser of three evils. I like that. Diana? NDP, we gotta be better than the second worst Ford. I really like that one. Jen? Orange, you glad you voted NDP? Huh? You just you <laughs> knock-knock joked their slogan? <laughs> I like it. Uh, the Conservative Party, any ideas there, Diana? This one was a bit harder, mm-hmm. but uh, we managed to find something. Okay. Okay. Conservatives, conserve your vote. We'll have a better candidate next time. I like it. Conservatives, how to show you have an inheritance. <laughs> Conservatives, we got the Jim Belushi of Ford Brothers. Conservatives, oh, like you know which programs are federal, not provincial? Conservatives, the party where no poor people are invited. (laughs) Conservatives, because no one should understand reproduction except for a laid-off nurse. Conservatives, vote against all your best interests. Conservatives, all of Rob Ford's bad ideas without the fun. Okay. Conservatives. Okay. You guys seem to have a lot of ideas there. You've gone too long. Uh, we don't have time for the Green Party anymore, but uh, I guess they're used to that. If any of the campaigns would like to use one of our slogans, please tweet us at VSP Pod. It'll only cost the same amount as an Ontario Hydro Executive's bonus. Now it's time for this week's guest, Sandra Badalini. She's a stand-up comedian and actress based in Toronto, but she's also so much more to the stand-up community because she is fighting for stand-up comedy to be considered an art form. This is a cause very close to my heart, obviously, and I can't wait for you guys to hear what Sandra is fighting for on behalf of the entire Canadian comedy community. Here's Sandra Badalini. So first of all, big shout out to Sudbury, all right? Before we get into anything else, way to go, Sudbury. Thank you for giving us Sandra Badalini and other very funny comics. Let's talk CASC, Mm -hmm. the Canadian Association of Stand-Up Comedians. It's your initiative that you started. Uh, Can you tell us a a little bit about about what it is? So the Canadian Association of Stand-Up Comedians is, we see it as a lobby group. Mm -hmm. So it's a member organization. And what our mission is, is just to create a standard for comedians in this country and to raise the level of prosperity. Because, you know, right now we're living in a, even though the art is the best that it's ever been, but the industry is very poor. Absolutely. It's very poor. And, you know, I've been calling it a circle of entrapment. Where, you know, you're a comedian, you headline a club, you do Just for Laughs, and then what? Then you're like, oh, I'll go to the States. And you're like, oh, but now you got to pay this massive head tax for the possibility of work. And then you're like, well, you know, I'm a comedian and I've got so many great premises for TV shows. I mean, I have so many. All of us do. And then you go pitch shows. And, you know, recently I've just been hearing a lot of stories. You know, I know someone who went to pitch Rogers, a sitcom, and they're like, well, this is a really great idea, but sell it to the United States and we'll buy it because it's cheaper right. for us to buy, to buy American content. It. I mean, that statement alone is literally saying we are selling our identity. We consume American content like it's our own. We get so involved in their politics, and I'm sorry, like, yes, it affects us for sure, but it's not us. And this is the dilemma that we have in this country is that we're not fostering, nurturing our talent. We're not listening to their voices. We're not letting them to develop their ideas. You know, a lot of people think, well, Canadians don't support Canadian content or comedy. I don't believe that because I go to shows all the time and it's full of people and they love their comedians. Yeah. But it's just that the people who are making decisions, they've got the problem. 
You know, when people are like Canadians make bad content and it's like, well, then why are the Canadians making amazing content in the United States? Right. Do we get like a chip implanted in our brain when we cross the border? There's trial and error to any creative process, right? Yeah. And what we're doing now, comedians slugging it out in whatever form it is, there's great comedy that goes on and it needs to get polished. And that's what the development process is supposed to be like on things like the Comedy Network. And we don't seem to have a big development budget. They would rather put on American shows and pay those licenses to get those American Isn't shows that, that have already been polished than to work on Canadian content. How many writing rooms in this country have are filled with stand-up comics? This makes no sense to me. Like, we've got a couple of shows, but we should have 15 shows. Yeah. Well, you're the first one that I've talked about this with that's actually <laughs> making the progress to the system and trying to make them understand. Let's jump to the letter that started it all, to the yeah. letter to, to PMJT as yeah, a problem. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you want me to read some of yes. the letter you wrote? Yep. <laughs> this is my favorite passage. While you were on the campaign trail, the comedians in this country were unknowingly campaigning for you. They were telling jokes in the back of bars, clubs, and in theaters, urging Canadians to dump Harper in the toilet. Otherwise, this country was headed down a dark path. Probably the most grassroots campaigning any politician could imagine. More effective than people knocking at your door or calling you on the phone asking who you're going to vote for. True. Yep. Absolutely true. You know, we wanted a change. And as comedians, we're out there and we're quietly campaigning, but not so quietly. We're not going to take credit for, for the victory, but I think you're absolutely right. The power that comedy can have when something is important that happens. Now, he, there was no response from, from him. When was the letter written? Three years ago. Three years like, ago. Like, I think in May. Yeah, May I, I published it. I mean, it took me a long time to write it because I really had to, re like, just think about it and rewrite it. But it was th it's three years ago that I wrote this letter. And... I, I should have gotten the, you had a lot of great great facts in there about the the problem of uh, what was the title of the letter again it was a matter of reciprocity or yeah something? a little reciprocity a little reciprocity yeah. uh, which, just a little reciprocity just a little reciprocity <laughs> but the problem being that American comics come up here work here with a you know a note from their mom that says please get milk and also it's okay f with me if he performs and we have a giant fee that we yeah. have to pay if we want to go do shows in the states blocking us from going down there so what you were asking quite simply was why do we have to pay this fee and the american comics don't yep it was one of the major points yep and what were the other matters you were kind of arguing in that in the visa issue or just in the the, the visa the visa well, well just yeah the point of the letter really so the whole visa stuff i mean you know i've learned so much even since writing that letter but right. yeah americans have no problem coming here and we have so much going there that this is the whole problem is that like they've made it so hard for us I don't know why. I don't know who conjured up all these little deals that has really shut us out. But to me, it's like comedy is one of our country's greatest legacies. And we're not talking about it. And you can't have a conversation about Hollywood without the massive contributions that have been made by Canadian comedic talent or just Canadian talent in general. And they're not talking about it. And we get subsumed into their portfolio of creation. And this is a matter of national urgency in my point of view. And it's aligning perfectly with what the Minister of Heritage is talking about right now, which is not just about CanCon, because that's been our story for a long time. But now it's about how are we going to export Canadian content across the world? And then from the other issue of the visa issue is that the government's mission is also to make it easier for Canadians to participate and work in a global economy. So when we hired these lobbyists from Ottawa, they reached out to me. I was on day six at CBC. They heard me. They're like, look, this is something that's literally on the table for in the NAFTA negotiations. Mm. And 
it's very cool. It's very serendipitous that this is all happening at the same time. It's kind of like what we're asking for is to be included in, as part of the NAFTA job list. But just that, like, the same way that an American comic can come here because they have a gig and they have no problem, they just can cross, that's what we're asking for. Now, there's a lot, so there's a lot of issues that you just talked about in, within that, and we probably we can't, we can't solve them all in the next uh, eight minutes here. I feel like you're drilling it into my head, literally and figuratively, because uh, it's if the more astute listeners may hear a drill in the background, but... Um, <laughs> But we've got uh, credit where credit's due. Your local MP got back to you on this. So let's give her a little shout out. If we, is she still your local MP or no? Oh, yeah. She is. Let's yeah, give her she- a little shout out because this is where it can go. You know, you, you, you see something, you write a letter to the head guy, head guy doesn't get back to you, but your local representative does get back to you. And it's kind of that's how where, where it started, because I sent her the letter saying, hey, can you send this to Justin Trudeau when you see him? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, would you like to go for a coffee? And when we sat down, she said, I know that stand up goes on in this country, but no one has ever reached out to us. Right. So, Until you. And that's, again, thanks from the industry, because a lot of us think it. A lot of us piss and moan about it. These steps have to be taken yeah. to start to correct it. Again, kudos to you and kudos to your local MP. What, sorry, what Julie DeBrusen. Julie DeBrusen. Yeah, she's amazing. She's the one that in, invited me to the copyright review. Because in her writing, like in, in my writing, Toronto Danforth, it's apparently the largest concentration of artists in the country. But she's doing incredible work, you know, and that's really cool. Well, thanks, Julie. Make, write that down, Thank Alex. Yeah. I'm going to get her on next. Yeah, and she'll then, do. Uh, she'll she'll be inter- Yeah. I wish everyone could see you speaking because the passion comes out not only in what you're saying, but your hands. I've had to duck three or four times. Yeah, I, I've not. Uh, no, t- no, I love it. I love speaking <laughs> to the Sanya. Uh, Sandra is a passionate Italian woman, and uh, I've had to duck a few times. Yeah. So I, I don't uh, envy anyone who has to try to <laughs> argue with you. I'm on your side here because they're going to get a right hook at least. But because some of the people don't, they just don't understand the main problems facing Canadian comedians. And, you know, you started this campaign, you started the letter, it was on Twitter, there was people getting engaged, and I got involved with it saying, absolutely support this. And then the people are so saying... so happy when you did. I was like, oh my God. People are saying, and I'm going to get more involved now, to be honest with you, but um, one of the comments that I remember getting was, that's just what we need. Government-subsidized comedy is what some people see it as. Now, can you explain why that's a problematic statement saying it like it's that. so problematic because you know we just have to look like we're actually looking to the music industry it, like we're looking at it as a model to change the comedy industry and i just read this really great article in fast company and it's called how canada's philanthropic pop industrial complex is taking over the world you know a couple of decades ago when canada decided to invest heavily in music we've been churning out stars that now we don't even have a Canadian music industry. <laughs> We've just been turning out incredible talent, and it's because of the massive investment by the government. Look, I'm not just a proponent of government funding. I do think that what lacks in this country, too, is private investment. But the other part of the thing is that when people think of, like, oh, government support, it's like the government funds everything. Right. We started a podcast, the association started a podcast with Barry Taylor, who's on the exec, and uh, we interviewed my MP, Julie DeBrusen, who, spo- who is sponsored... Uh, the petition. And she said, look, we support the auto auto industry. Would anybody argue that the auto industry is is suffering? Right. So the government heavily, like massively invests in oil and mining and all these things. So when somebody says, oh, you know, putting government funding in comedy is going to churn out garbage, that's a lie. 
because the government literally supports, I'm not saying everything because they don't support us. I hope you're listening. And this whole idea of like this debate of whether stand-up is Is an art form. Well, and that's, you're hitting on something great here because other art forms do receive funding. Uh, Music, as you mentioned, theater, dance, certainly the Canadian Opera Company. And I'm not disrespecting. No other art forms, but we absolutely deserve support that other art forms do. Exactly. And you know, like, I, I, you know, I've obviously been doing a lot of research. And at one point, I came across some history about the Canada Arts Council and how and when it was formed. And it was formed in 1957. And it, it was created out of a recommendation made by a royal commission that was done about arts and culture in Canada at the time. And there's this great quote, quote, I wish I could read it. But basically, the, the idea, the gist of it was, is that, you know, our novelists, our short story writers, our poets in Canada are poor. And they have to leave here in order to, you know, imagine any kind of like living. Again, we're we're on the same page here. And I can think of one Canadian comedian in particular who did pretty good talking about his parents when he started out. And it just sort of circulated around to the entire uh, Indian Canadian community (laughs) and then the world. And then, you know, did very well from it. Now, that's the case study that people will look at and go, well... That's all you got to do is do that story about your people. But Canadians, I think we do have this inferiority (sighs) complex that we don't want to just tell the Canadian story to the rest of the world because the rest of the world isn't interested. I don't necessarily think that's true, but we don't seem to be interested in our own comedy wise. And that's a problem. It's Alex, a you got something on that? Alex is shaking his head. and I, Well, he's nodding his head. I like that. As somebody, and I've probably said this before, that thrives my life as a artists artists if you will i'm here to support just like i would the auto industry something that i care about if you care about an art form enough there's so much you can do as an audience member as an activist as a performer and i think that's what hurts me the most is when people in the art form themselves don't know how to voice their opinion and it's not something to be said against them per se but sandra is doing the arts and artists' work that needs to be done to give the voice to these people. Right. And I hope they take advantage of the voice that you're giving them. You're doing us a massive service in an industry that, frankly, is made up of people who get along and do support each other. But stand-up, as much as it is the truest art form, is also the most independent art form. Yeah. We're, we're all here. We all got to find our own niche, our own yep. work. So it is tough to take the time to say, you know what, support this industry as a whole and also do the hustling you got to do to have your own work done. And I, I'm, I'm saluting you on behalf of the entire industry oh, for, for taking this initiative. Uh, because we don't pay our guests, but we want them to get, uh, we want to pay somebody. Uh, unlike, you know, the problems we're bringing up here. <laughs> I would like to say that the charity you're going to support is probably the nonprofit organization we've been talking about for the entire interview. How can interested parties in Canadian comedy support C-A-S-C. So if you go to CanadianStandUp.ca, that's pretty easy. Uh, when you go to the homepage, there is a donate button, so you can donate there. If you're a comedian, there's a blue button that says become a member, and there's a red button that says sign the petition. We're trying to get 100,000 signatures by June 26th. 
And I'm sorry, what's the website again? I want to mention CanadianStandup.ca. CanadianStandup.ca. Please, every listener, go visit that. This is the most important cause comedy related that we've that we ever will have probably on this uh, podcast. And uh, again, on behalf of this Canadian stand-up community, thank you, oh, Sandra Betts. Thank you for having me. This was really great. We're gonna have one more bit of fun, right? The VSP yeah. acronym. We got it. I briefed you ever so slightly on this. I yes, told yeah, you yeah, about yeah. a minute before we started to talk. VSP, the acronym, you have to describe yourself as a VSP. Go. Very special person. Very special person, of course. It's abbreviated. That's what just came to mind when you said it. I was like, I know. I think the abbreviates, whatever. Thank you, Sandra Badalini. Thank you. And that's it. Our fifth episode of VSP is in the podcast books. My thanks to this week's guest, Sandra Badalini, fighting the good fight on behalf of Canadian comedians. Please visit the website canadianstandup.ca to sign the petition and make a donation to keep that fight going. Also, thanks to all our contributors this week, Jennifer McAuliffe, Diana Francis, John Steinberg, and Jeremy Woodcock. Please drop in again next week when our guest is chef and food activist Jajna Maharaj, who will talk to us about how to reconnect food with public institutions and take back the tray. And we'll also have a special guest monologue. And last, but maybe most, if you like what you've heard on VSP so far, please visit our new Patreon page, patreon.com slash VSPpod, to see how you can can get access to special features, including full interviews in the very near future. Until next week, I'm Steve Patterson saying, I'm sorry to Enrique Iglesias for using his name at the beginning of this episode. It's just a way better name than mine. VSP is a Funny Patty Inc. and Never Sleeps Network production. Produced by me, Alex Ross, and associate producer, Diana Francis. Written by Steve Patterson with Diana Francis, John Steinberg, Jennifer McAuliffe, and a special appearance by Jeremy Woodcock. Edited by Joseph Ianni. For more information about VSP and other great Canadian podcasts, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. And please follow our socials at VSP Pod and Never Sleeps Net. See you next Wednesday. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.